0: So this morning we're going to talk about good citizenship. We've been talking about it for several weeks, about being a good citizen of heaven while we're in this place. And so we want to unpack a little bit more, but I want to look a little bit today at uh, being a citizen here on earth and being a citizen of America and what Americans say we should do to be a good citizen and then look and see what scripture says we should be doing to be a good citizen. And we'll see, really, that there is some overlap, but for some reason, we have forgotten that, and we have gotten away from it. And we'll talk a little bit about the founding fathers this morning. So before I start, would you pray with me and pray for me? Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing unto your sight, Father. Remove me from your message, Father. May each heart be moved just a little closer to you, May you dwell in us so that we may dwell in you. In your son's name, amen. I forgot to mention, thank you so much, and especially thanks to the staff for the last couple of weeks that I've been away. Uh, The trip to Uvalde with what was going on there was not a pleasant trip, uh, but it's one that they continue to need uh, our prayers. And whatever you do, don't believe everything that you hear in the media. On that situation. And then this last week, I was in uh, DC for a while, and there is a place that need pr- needs prayer so desperately. And so I ask that you continue to hold up our leaders uh, there in Washington. <clears throat> this morning, we wanna, as I said, we wanna take a look at what people think a good citizen here is. And as we go through the morning, we're gonna look and see what Scripture tells us to be, what it takes to be a good citizen of heaven. But before I start, I want us to ask yourself just a few questions. First of all, ask yourself if I'm a good citizen while I'm here, will I be a good citizen in heaven? And if I'm a good citizen here, will I automatically make it to heaven? And if I'm a bad citizen here, can I make it to heaven? You know, the answer to all three of these depends upon your repentance. In your acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Many surveys are out there about America and what a good American citizen is to be. So I want you to comprehend some of these numbers I'm about to go over as we talk about surveys that have been done. One survey said 91% of the respondents said that voting an election makes you a good citizen. Well, the last presidential election and I know this is not a good election to refer to, but 61% of the people that could vote in this nation voted. Yet 91% said you need to vote to be a good citizen. In 2008, 62.5% voted in the election. 2012, it was 58%. 2016, 59.2%. In 2020, almost 67% voted. So it's not surprising that there's a lot of apathy in this country. Because you see, this is one of the more sacred rights that our founding fathers gave to us. And yet, so few people take this on. 92% said paying taxes makes you a good citizen. 96 said, 96% said good citizens always follow the law. So that means when you're sitting at that red light and there's not a car within 100 miles of you, you still sit there until it changes to green, right? Okay, maybe not. 92% said that we should respect the opinions of others who disagree with ours. And 90% believe good citizens should help others. 75% said the good citizen knows the Pledge of Allegiance. But one important factor about all those numbers is this. There was none of them. None of those things that we realize about being a good citizen in America was their 100% agreement. Another survey said that what it takes to be a good citizen are these things. He loves his country, is patriotic, is courteous, is respectful. of He has respect for others' rights. He has accountability has moral courage and responsibility. Yet many of those words we now demand that we be allowed to our own interpretation, our own emotional interpretation of what they really mean. And finally, there's an article that said how to be a good citizen. It listed several ways. But one of the things that caught my eye was the statement before all the numbers were put up there. It said, by the way, The definition of a good citizen is based on political views. Certain issues may cause it to vary. What? What do you mean certain issues cause it to vary? vary? Should you be obeying the law? Well, according to this, certain issues may come up and you don't have to. Should you help others? Well, it depends upon the circumstances. Should you be respectful? Well, it depends upon the circumstances. So the list that you see up there, we should be patriotic, we should give back to the community, we should be a productive member of society, we should vote, we should mentor someone, we should cultivate your skills and talents, we should keep your home in order, we should follow the law, we should treat others with respect, and we should pay taxes. All these are good things. And we should do them while we're here. But how do we respond to these beliefs? Do we temper our responses based on what we do or what we have time to do or what things bring us glory and gratification? How do we give back to the community? How do we show our patriotism? How do we mentor others? How do we treat others? How do we follow and respect the law? Again, each survey said the responses are left to your own personal views but now let us look at scripture as to the characteristics of heaven and you're going to see in scriptures this morning and three of them are going to be paul speaking to the philippians there's not a whole lot of your personal opinion and your emotions in there they are matter of fact in fact god's word is always the truth amen So let's look first at Philippians three, beginning the seventeenth beginning with the seventeenth verse. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine, and learn from those who follow our examples. For I have told you often before, and I say again with tears in my eyes, that there are many, many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies of his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Notice in verse 20. The statement is, we are citizens of heaven. So our citizenship is in heaven. And you know what? These words that Paul penned and that he said to the Philippians would have been really strange to them. Because you see, 40% of them were Roman citizens. Thus, they were the elite at the time in the world. The closest thing that we have to a Roman citizen and the freedom they had to move around then would be if you held a Japanese or Singaporean passport today. Because you see with those passports, you can travel to 190 countries without a visa. So to have great citizenship privileges, there's a cost. And there's a great expense. Jesus paid the great expense for our citizenship in heaven. So Paul is telling the church in Philippi, and he's telling us what characteristics of living as citizens of heaven while we're in this world should be. Three important truths. First of all, spiritually minded citizens imitate excellent role. They make great, excellent role models. We cannot grow properly unless we have a mentor, unless we have a guide. We call this discipleship. Unfortunately, in the modern church today, we seem to have lost that practice of discipleship. Next, those citizens shun worldly values. We should conduct our life in opposition to worldly values and oppose those who believe world values are the absolute truth. Nonbelievers have an appetite and a desire that leads to destruction. Mark eight thirty six reads What good is it for man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Nonbelievers focus on the world and what it has for them. So our battle is in our minds and staying focused on the truth of God and his word for his glory and for his kingdom. People so often give so much power to Satan. When in reality, the only power he has is his lies, and we buy into so many of his lies. Jesus said in John 8, 44, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when we set our minds on earthly things, we hear things that people really say, this is what it takes to be a good citizen. This is what we should be doing. Maybe some of these will resonate with you. Maybe some of these you've heard. One is you must be young, good-looking, and popular for success. The man who dies with the most toys wins. Christianity is a crutch for weak-willed people. Do what works for you. There are no absolutes. If it feels good, then do it. Marriage is not important anymore. It's just a piece of paper. You test drive a car before you buy it. Why not do the same with a mate? And this one really struck me as so sad. There are those that believe that it makes no difference if we listen to the lies that we see in social media or on television or on the news that we are told it has no effect on our spiritual lives. Citizens bound for heaven consider their primary citizenship to be in heaven, which should make them good citizens while in this world. Our primary allegiance as citizens of heaven is right here, right now, right where we are. Again, to reiterate, citizens of heaven imitate excellent spiritual role models They shun worldly values. They consider their primary citizenship to be in heaven. So if someone looked at you today or someone came up to you today asking you to be an example of a citizen of heaven or sought you out to be a role model, how would you measure up to what the Bible says you should be? So often we are more proud and more focused on our careers here on this earth. Are we good neighbors? Are we mentors to those that watch us around each day? Is our worldly human citizenship more important to us right now than our heavenly citizenship? The first nine verses of the fourth chapter of Philippians shows us that we ought to live in unity, that citizens of heaven are always rejoicing, Despite their circumstances, they are gracious and gentle in their conduct. They pray rather than worry. They focus their thoughts on what is good and they live out what they know to be true. Verses 8 and 9 read as follows. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then God, the God of peace, will be with you. If we're living that way, then the question is, why are we facing so much chaos and so much uncertainty and so much confusion each day? Maybe the real question should be this. Are we really living as a citizen of heaven each day? The first chapter of Philippians, beginning in the 27th verse. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Do not be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be the sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have not you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ but also the privilege of suffering with him we are in the struggle together you have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it Paul is laying out a foundation for us notice that it says our conversations be of the gospel of Christ As citizens of this world, often our conversations are about winning or making a point, regardless of the words and manner of speech. As citizens of heaven, we have much higher and more holier responsibilities. The church needs needs to understand and embrace this principle. We must not stray or compromise this principle even though the standards that are being adapted today allows us to do that, they say it's okay. In this nation, we face very few real persecutions. We're allowed the ability to vote. We're allowed the ability to travel. We are allowed the ability to have an opinion. But still, our faith is under attack. We are not called to compromise our faith for the sake or the acceptance of pleasing others. Cooperation and unity within the church was essential to the early church and it is critical to our mission now. Paul tells the the church to be uh, courageous in the face of opposition. We must be bold in Christ and not fearful of the enemy or of uncertainty. The days of the majority embracing our faith seem to have slipped away. For now we embrace what feels good and what pleases us and what pleases others and not God. As believers, we are in this fight together in unity against the same enemy for the glory and gods of God's kingdom of which we are citizens. May I remind you that our nation was founded And our forefathers that came together as believers, they established this nation. They established this nation under God. The framers of this nation purposefully wrote the the founding documents to reflect Judeo and Christian core values. God has blessed America because they chose God. As a beacon of freedom, it was founded at tremendous cost. We forget that freedom is never free. We take too many blessings for granted. Our deliverance from sin and death was paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. The founding freedom of this nation was at the cost of so many, which so many today would like for us to forget or like for us to understand differently. Let me share some thoughts of the signers of the Constitution, things they said as they hammered out these founding documents. These founding documents, especially the Constitution, it's not just a group of suggestions, as some would have you believe today. It's not just some guidelines, as some would have you believe today. It is the foundation that this nation was built on. Matthew 12, 34 reads, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So hear the words of some of these signers. Some you won't know who they were. Some you might. And these are only a very few. But hear their hearts. Every person chosen as a member of either house shall make and subscribe the following declaration, as I, Richard Bassett, do. I profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be given by divine interpretation. Divine intervention, I'm sorry. Jacob Broom said, writing to his son, Don't forget to be a Christian. I have said much to you on this. I hope an indelible impression has been made. John Dickinson said to my creator, I resign myself humbly confiding in his goodness and his mercy through Jesus Christ for the events of eternity. Alexander Hamilton, for my part, I sincerely esteem. It is a system without the, without the finger of God could never have been suggested or agreed upon by such diversity of interest. William Livingston, I believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament without any foreign comments or human explanations. I believe that he who fears God and works righteously will be accepted by him. Roger Sherman, I believe that there is one living and true God, existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. The scriptures of the Old and New Testament are a revelation from God and complete rule to direct us how we glorify and enjoy him. And finally, George Washington. Almighty and eternal Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth, and the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, look down from heaven in pity and compassion upon me, thy servant, who humbly prorate myself before thee. I think we have forgotten where we came from. To see what is taking place today, especially in places of history that are dedicated to the glory of God, is leaving us fatally scarred. God is mentioned throughout our founding documents. And even though there are many attempts today to rewrite them and reinterpret them, or reinterpret history for that matter... God's story and blessing is indelibly impressed on the foundation on the foundation of every pillar of this nation God didn't choose to bless America God has blessed America because of the choices made by our founding fathers God has blessed America and its citizens because we chose to be citizens of heaven first and to follow God's rule and to follow God's order so let's go back to the beginning of the message this morning. Let's go back to what many believe to be good citizenship, and compare it to scripture. We should be patriotic. We should be loyal. We should be obedient. We should be that to God. We should be faithful to God. True faithfulness to God shapes how we live. Proverbs 3, 3 reads, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What about giving back to the community? Giving freely. Giving without recognition. Doing as they did in the beginning when somebody's barn was torn down by a tornado or caught on fire they came together and rebuilt that barn because they were brothers and sisters in Christ. They did it without any recognition, without any payment. They did it because it was the thing to do. They gave back to the community. Luke 16, 11 says, And if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth... Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And of course, we all know Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. It doesn't say anything about doing it when it's convenient or when we have time. It says we do it. When God gives us the opportunity. And what about mentoring and fellowship with others? Jesus mentored the 12. They were his own, but they were in this world. They learned to know, they learned to know Jesus, and through Jesus, they learned to know the Father. We represent God's love to the world each time we meet someone. Remember, Jesus said servants are not greater than their master. And remember, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. What about paying taxes? Oh, what a painful subject. Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. The 13th chapter of Roman tells us where to pay taxes. Jesus paid taxes. You can find that in the 17th chapter of Matthew. We complain about it. We say it's unfair, and Jesus never said it was going to be fair. He said we should do it. So why don't we let God judge the leaders? And let us be obedient to God's word. Let us be his servants. Let us be his citizens of his kingdom. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven reads, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is loyalty. You can call it patriotism if you want, but it is loyalty. It's obedience. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. We are to be kind. We are to be merciful. We are to give grace. And we are to give it in love. Lorena, if you guys want to come up. You know, someone has asked me, will there be another revival in this country? And we're going to unpack that next Sunday. There's a reason why there hasn't been a revival like there was before. This is my opinion. We're not living the way we should be living. As citizens of heaven heaven, living in this world, be thankful for the founding fathers and their relationship to God. As a nation, we have an icon of our citizenship. For so many that came from land so far away as they entered into this country, as they came to Ellis Island, they saw that icon. They saw that Statue of Liberty. As citizens of heaven, we too have an icon that has stood it has stood unchanged, unaltered, untouched, unbothered, undamaged, unscathed, and unharmed for more than 2,000 years. It's the cross of Jesus. It has melted the sins of hardened men. It has transferred the lost into productive citizens. It has changed bitterness to forgiveness, weakness into strength, discouragement into joy, blindness into sight, slavery into freedom, and bondage into an abundant life. So often we focus on what is wrong and we let it bother us and we worry about it rather than focusing on God and focusing on his truth. You know, we don't need to worry about what the leaders say or whether they make coherent sentences or whether they fall off bicycle. That's not important. We don't follow man. We follow God. But we do and should respect the positions we should respect this blessed nation and follow God's guidance and his will. So you may, may you rejoice that you are living in a time like this. May you not be worried. May you not be angry. May you have the courage to be bold about your citizenship in heaven. And may you defend the foundation of this blessed nation.